It dawned on me while I was watching Monday Night Football that the NFL may have done this on purpose. Do you think the NFL put two teams that wear orange as one of their primary colors on Halloween night? How much you want to bet that was absolutely a thought? You know that the NFL is very calculated. Nothing that they do is an accident or coincidental. And I really don't believe in coincidence anyway. I'm pretty sure that they were looking at the schedule, realized there would be a Monday night game on Halloween, the only game. And so there would be a lot of eyeballs. And they decided, let's get cute. Let's be sure that the stadium is full of orange everywhere you look. And it was, wasn't it? Makes me so happy. Even as we usher out October and we say ciao to not just Halloween, but the month of October, one of my favorite months of the year, also the craziest month of the year in sports. I've got orange on. It's a good thing you can't see me because I'm sure I would get tweets about how this was a tribute to the Browns or some such nonsense. (laughs) I love orange and I wear it all the way through the month of October and I'll keep wearing it into November. I've even got shoes with orange on them. (laughs) I do. (laughs) But I do that because I'm a nerd. I wonder if there's a an orange nerd in the NFL scheduling office office that decided this would be the perfect time to have the Bears, the Bears, oh my gosh. Well, the Bears do wear orange too. There goes the perfect show. The Bengals and the Browns, the Battle of Ohio on Monday night. But let's be honest, it really wasn't much of a battle actually from the point at which it started on the very first drive after the Bengals had moved almost the length of the field. And the Browns come up with a huge defensive play. It was really the precursor to what was to come. The Cleveland Browns defense played a near perfect first half. Stifling. Stingy. It was blue collar. I actually really liked what I saw from the Browns on both sides of the ball. But the offense didn't get going as much until late second quarter and then on into the second half. The defense set the tone with an early interception off Joe Burrow, with a fumble off Joe Burrow, only allowing 100 yards to the Bengals offense that had been flying up and down the field in recent weeks, that had been coming out with touchdowns of the 60-yard variety. They give up no points, and they have two takeaways masterful performance by that Cleveland defense at home. The Bengals contributed. There was a missed field goal. There was, well, there was definitely a lack of downfield plays, vertical plays. And as much as they have other talented receivers, you could see Joe Burrow, trying to adjust, even on the fly, to not having Jamar Chase. But it was more than that. They were unable to run the ball. There was a lot of pressure on Burrow. The Browns got plenty of offense from Nick Chubb, and Jacoby Brissett was able to, for the most part, 
do what he needed to do. It's not flashy. It's not going to be flashy, but that's not what Jacoby Brissett is about. It was smothering. It was blue collar. And it was a win. So what the Browns needed was to end their four-game losing skid. And that's exactly what happened. In convincing fashion, on Monday Night Football, Halloween night with orange everywhere. I'm telling you, it wasn't an accident. (laughs) It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. I hope you had a good Halloween, if that's something you care about. I, this is crazy. I still can't believe this happened. I managed to give out zero candy. I don't know exactly how it happened. I pulled a few strategic moves out of my back pocket, but I'm not exactly sure what went down. So a couple of things. I was still in bed when I started to hear trick-or-treaters and their noise all around my block. It was like all of a sudden, not quite the same level as, say, 80,000 in a stadium, but it just became really noisy outside. And I still had my windows closed, for heaven's sakes. Heard a couple of pounds on my door. I was in bed. I wasn't getting up to get a bowl full of chocolate that I really don't want to give away. So I stayed in bed, heard a couple of pounds on the door. And then waited till my alarm went off. I don't know if I fell back asleep or not, but I didn't feel like getting up, so I didn't. Penny can't really hear anymore, at least the subtle noises. She can hear loud noises, but these weren't loud enough. Five years ago, the dog would have gone ballistic because the only thing she's ever barked at, other than squirrels, are knocks on the door. She loves to bark at squirrels. She likes to tree squirrels. So much fun for her when she was younger. So I got a couple of knocks. And then maybe people were ringing my doorbell. My doorbell doesn't work, so (laughs) I have no idea if people were ringing the doorbell. I got up. I got my coffee. Oh, my half and half was almost spoiled. It was bad. Just one of those Mondays where everything tends to go completely wrong, except for the fact that I didn't have to give away candy. I take the dog out. There are trick-or-treaters everywhere. I'm sure. I'm positive they're going to come pounding on my door. In fact, I was pretty sure some of them were going to follow me home as they saw us make the turn into the driveway. And yet still, nobody came to the door. Now, I was only in the house for maybe two minutes. I instantly, after I gave Penny her treat, I grabbed my wallet and my keys and took off to the grocery store. (laughs) I was hoping I could use up all the daylight before... Uh, before uh, I got back, but it wasn't that long. It was one of the Mondays where you leave your cash bag hanging in the machine. Thank goodness for the guy who was working in the self-checkout lines because he actually chased me out the door. Hey, hey, did you leave your cash in the machine? No joke. That was my gas money, and I left it hanging in the machine. Like I said, it was one of those kind of Mondays. That's a nice guy. Where I had sour half and half in my coffee, and I left my cash hanging in the machine but I didn't have to give away any chocolate. I got back home. It was starting to get darker. I left all the lights and the windows closed on the front of the house. (laughs) Does that make me an ogre? An orange ogre, Jay? I don't know if ogre is the right word. Eh, No, I mean, you know, you're doing your thing. Go ahead. Use the word. What's the word you want to use? I don't don't have the word on my tongue. Ogre? A little ogre-ish, maybe, but... A buzzkill? No, (laughs) ogre is better than buzzkill, but... (laughs) I guess it's a little ogre. I'm thinking of Shrek and like his whole. He's thing, green. So. He's not orange. Yeah, he is green, right? But I, I need an orange character. 
Any, anyway, I, I expected there. I even put the candy bowl by the door, expecting that I wouldn't be able to get away with no trick-or-treaters. But once it got dark, I didn't turn my porch light on, and none of the lights on uh, were in the front of the house. None of the lights were on. And I did a little work. I made some pumpkin s'mores. I was even baking back there. I was whipping up some pumpkin s'mores. Are you ready to try them? I am very ready to try them. <laughs> uh, and then I got on the bike and never heard another knock. But like I said, my doorbell doesn't work. So if people were ringing the doorbell, dang it, I should have got that fixed, huh? So if someone was a kid's group of kids were there and knocked on your door, you were prepared to get up yes. and give them. Okay. I okay. did. Uh, in fact, once I turned my TV on, so I turned TV on to watch football and to see Boomer Esiason, our buddy on Peyton and Eli. Oh my gosh. I was laughing out loud. The things I never knew about Boomer. I was texting Boomer about La Boom and his underwear commercial, um, which we've got some great clips. Jay was awesome and went through the exchange with Boomer on the Monday Night Mannings and got some phenomenal audio <laughs> so i texted boomer and he he sent me back a, a couple of texts with some funny emojis anyway i i'm sure that at some point in my life i saw boomer in the haynes commercial but not since i've known him i mean i've been working with him for the last 10 years and i, I was like whoa i don't need to see boomer in his underwear what is that yeah, i'm, I'm right fortunate to have missed that one when it aired <laughs> I don't think that I, it maybe never dawned on me. I don't know, but I don't recall ever seeing it. Uh, and then I had no idea he owned a, a, a nightclub named La Boom. <laughs> News to me. <laughs> so anyway, my point was I turned the TV on because I didn't want to miss Boomer or Peyton and Eli. They're hysterical as always. Eli was wearing a Chad Powers mask and I couldn't hear him and he looked awful and I missed his facial expression. So thankfully that didn't last very long. Um, but then they went pretty quickly into Boomer. And so I had the TV on. There were lights on in the house then because I was taking notes and I was on my computer, but nobody ever knocked. I would have. The candy bowl sat there for about three hours and nobody came up. I don't think that's on you at that point. I mean. Thank you, Jay. I appreciate that you absolved me of any guilt over yeah. Halloween candy. Yeah, because you were there. And if I kids was. did come up and they heard, if you press the doorknob and it doesn't ring, like you're going to realize that doesn't ring, then you're just going to knock anyway. And so. not just that, but I never heard anybody. I mean, yeah. I, I could hear pretty well and I never heard anybody at my door after those initial like noises and the pounding on my door. And that's not fair. I was in bed. Right. It's not my fault if I was still in bed. Right. This was early afternoon, yes, right? Before right. Before 5 o'clock oh, Eastern. Oh, my gosh. It was before 4 o'clock Eastern. Yeah. I mean, no people I was probably even, closer to 3 o'clock Eastern. Yeah. People aren't even out of work yet. Like, you're not expected to be home yet at that point. If you're Thank home you, for the child, that's a luxury. Now, see, this but. is why Jay and I are partners. Because... Even if he doesn't really mean it, he always says nice things to me. <laughs> <laughs> After 5.15, 5.30-ish, if you were ready to go with the candy and no one came to your door, that's not on you at that point. Thank you, Jay. I appreciate that. How much candy did you guys give away? Pretty good amount. We had a good – ours came in, like, waves, though. So it was kind of quiet, kind of dull. It was, ah, no one's really coming around. And all of a sudden, this mob came. And then it was like, <laughs> oh, okay, like, that, like, almost cleaned us out. And then it was quiet again, and then another mob came, and – a that was mob. about it. Mobs yeah. and gobs. That's it. Bunch of mobs. A couple of them were zombies, too, so it was fitting. This is what was happening in my neighborhood. So I walked Penny. It took forever. At least she wasn't eating cheese doodles off the ground. But I, I walked Penny, and as I was saying, there were crowds and hordes of people everywhere. But there were a lot of houses that had specifically blocked their sidewalks with, say, a chair or a table and put bowls out. 
and didn't uh, that's a clear message that you don't want to see people on your porch or knocking on your doors and it cannot be because of covid that's not mm, the deal anymore yeah. it's not covid it's just because people don't want to be bothered and in those bowls do you know the type of candy i saw in those bowls the cheap crap dum-dums Kids don't eat dum-dums That's anymore. Right. That's not right. So you've brought, you rob them of the experience of the trick-or-treating, and you don't even give them good candy in return. No. And now I did see some kids go, there's a bowl, there's a bowl, and run right up. So maybe they don't all love knocking on doors either. But I feel like that's a one-two punch in the gut or a smack in the mask. Not only do you not want me knocking on your door, but then you put a bowl of dum-dums out. Right. That's where I draw the line. That's where, where you draw the line? I, I don't mind no the No dum-dums? Bowl. No. Being a kid seeing the bowl, you know, like, Please take two, take one. I'm sorry. I'm taking like four or five. But if it's good candy, like I don't mind People that. You get put in, you get signs out. out that say, please take one. I used to see those. Yeah. I mean, you know, you'd honor them now and you wouldn't go crazy. But like if you took three, if it was a really good bowl. And, you if you know. don't want me to take more than one, then get your ass outside and stay next to your bowl. Also <laughs> true. Also true. It's totally honestism. Do you know that there were actually, uh, I think it was one or two houses where I saw signs that said, don't come on the porch. Or there was one that said, don't knock on the door, presumably because of dogs. So again, yeah. five years ago, Penny would have gone ballistic or did go ballistic when people would knock on the door. And I think there are people, I just know my neighbors and their dogs that don't want people knocking on the door because the dogs go nuts. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, that can, that makes sense. I could see that being the case. And then you put a bowl out there, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you're going to put the bowl, though, just just put some better put candy some in it, Put some good candy in it. Dum-dums yeah. are cheap. Dum-dums are cheap. Oh, I feel Dum-dums like I must have offended a bunch of people now. I mean, it's a fine lollipop. It's just not what you're no, looking for No, it's not. It's little bitty. The The actual piece of candy on the end of the stick yeah. is tiny. And, how, again, how many kids still eat lollipops? Yeah, and there's not even, like, a surprise filling in the no, middle, like a Tootsie I, Pop or a I don't pop. think dum-dums are super popular anymore. I think they're cheap. I, I think they were growing out of style even when I was, like, in elementary school. So that was, what, 20 years ago? I, mean, <laughs> I wasn't going to say it. Jay's getting older by the day. And the <laughs> well, other <yeah. laughs> the other uh, week I said to him something about being closer to his next birthday and his next, his next big number. And he said, no, I'm not. Oh, wait a minute. I am. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I got these things. Okay, so before we get to our break and then we'll talk football, uh, I walked in the door. And it was raining, and the traffic was brutal, and I was cranky. And, of course, that's when the security guards want to talk to me. Are you ready for this, Jay? The first thing out of Angel's mouth, he's our main security guard downstairs, your video was epic. And I said, what? Your video, epic. I loved it. And then he goes on to say, but I really enjoy junk in the trunk. <laughs> so he's just all around our YouTube channel right now. He was. He was stalking us on YouTube. What he was referring to is the pumpkin carving video that has been up on YouTube now for, I don't know what we say, about 24, maybe 30 hours. Roughly. And you all are finding it highly amusing. The link is on both Twitter and Facebook. So Twitter, After Hours CBS, if you want to vote for Monday Mortification, that poll is still up. It's also pinned to the top of our Facebook page. In fact, our double feature is pinned to the top of our Facebook page. Uh, or you can go straight to our YouTube channel, After Hours with Amy Lawrence. My family thought it was really funny. My brother laughed so hard at how I accidentally stabbed Josephine. <laughs> I yeah. ruined I ruined everything. <laughs> well, or gave us a great video. <laughs> 
It's all for the sake of entertainment. Jay doesn't care as long as it makes a good video. He doesn't care if I was traumatized, the pumpkin was traumatized. The last thing I'll say is my brother sends me a text. Is that the pumpkin we just bought at the pumpkin patch? And I was like, crap. Yes. Yes, it was. She was sacrificed because he helped me. Not only did he help me pick out the pumpkin, he helped me carry the pumpkin. Uh, I know that's never happening again. Never again, Jay. You made me use my beautiful pumpkin. I blame you. I did not make you use that pumpkin. You did. You, you said I'll supply the pumpkin. That's the one you bought. I know, and that's the one but we she was up. so pretty. You should have said no. You should have said that pumpkin's too nice. She did look really good on your front porch. She I was really lie. pretty. And not just on my front porch, but in our video, she was the star. A gorgeous piece of fruit. She was orange and fruity, and we ruined her. She did steal the show. She did. But, you know, had to be done. No, it didn't have to be done. <laughs> it had to be done. It's never being done again. We're never doing well, that again. There. Can we make a pact? We're never carving a pumpkin again. Can you carve like a squash? Yes. We'll carve a gourd next year. All right. All right. We'll go with the gourd route. <laughs> so anyway, I somehow gave out zero Halloween candy. I know that you think I'm an ogre, but I, I only did it on purpose for about an hour, and I don't know what happened to the rest of the trick-or-treaters. <gasps> Maybe they're spreading the word. Don't go to that house. She's a witch. <gasps> just going to say that. You were? Uh, just, uh, that, that could be the rumor. Oh, That's no. The That's terrible. I can say that. You can't say that. I'm just saying that's what the kids on the street no, might be saying. Now, now my things are hurt. That's it. Not only did I sacrifice Josephine for you, but now you almost called me a witch on no, the radio. No, no, I Okay, that's no. That's the scuttlebutt that's in That's it. Area. No more talking. That's That was the end of our beautiful conversation. Nope. No more talking. Jay almost called me a witch. I, that's not appropriate on any day, especially not on Halloween. I absolved you of your. I don't care. You almost called me a witch. Here on Halloween. <laughs> you just said it on the radio. I almost called you a witch. No, I yeah, absolved no, you of th- being no. a witch, actually. <laughs> zip it. I'm going to send you an emoji right now. The zip it emoji. Just, <laughs> just hold that up in front of you. The zip it emoji. Oh, my gosh. This conversation devolved very rapidly. So, anyway, check out the video where we were still friends. Uh, it's pumpkin carving video for Halloween. It's perfect. It's epic. And Josephine cried, and I'm totally not kidding. Uh, and then we'll dive into all the orange on Monday Night Football from the Dog Pound, which, let's be fair, turned into a haunted house for the Bengals quickly. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. In the shotgun, Burrow takes it, turns, whips it left, and it's tipped and picked off! Intercepted down the sideline, the Browns got it! Down the left sideline, 35, it's A.J. Green! He's to the 40, 35, 30, 25, down to the 20-yard line! On a tip drill, A.J. Green got it! The first you know, tip pass uh, leading to an interception, you know, felt like everyone's like, damn, it's the bank's open. Everybody grabbed something, so... Everybody was rushing to, to get to the passer and trying to make a big play. And you know, Taki Taki was flying around making big plays all over the field. You, know, and you got a lot of guys who were just you know, playing you know, lights out, and it was just beautiful to see. Off the field, on the money, and after hours, it's time to talk football with Amy Lawrence. Miles Garrett says that A.J. Green interception really set the tone. The bank's open. Everybody go and get something. And that's exactly what it was like, specifically in that first half, as the Bengals were held scoreless. 
one quarter, two quarters. It continued on into the third quarter. Why? Because the the Browns were dominating the ball. And when the Bengals got the ball back for the first time in the second half, six minutes had already come off the clock. They go three and out and give it right back to the Cleveland offense and Jacoby Brissett and Nick Chubb. This was a clinic for the Cleveland Browns. And the Bengals made it worse. Jim Donovan with the calls on Brown's radio. Stifling, smothering, stingy. The Bengals' possessions in the first half. An interception, a punt. A punt on three and out. Another punt on three and out. A fumble and a missed field goal. That was their first half. The Browns drawing confidence, getting better and better, flying around on defense, stuffing the run. Even early on, when the game was still scoreless, the Bengals were not able to find any seams to run the ball. Near perfect first half from the Browns, and it carried over into the second half. The first drive of the second half, as I say, lasted six plus minutes before the Bengals ever touched the ball. The Browns, again, did exactly what they needed to do coming out of the locker room. Brissett, play action fake. He drifts back. He's up in the pocket. He rolls left. Rolls left to the pylon. Dives. Touchdown! Jacoby Brissett. He took the long way home. And the Browns jump out to a 17-0 lead. Once again, Jim Donovan. So that first drive is padded, uh, not just by the ball control, but also with the Jacoby Brissett touchdown. They're able to take six minutes off the clock, which wears out the Bengals defense. Cincinnati finally gets the ball in the third quarter, takes three snaps, punts, and gives the ball right back to the Cleveland Browns. Unbelievable, the time of possession. And generally, the Browns can win that battle because of how well they run the ball. But the Cincinnati Bengals played right into their hands by really not keeping possession of the ball for any length of time, putting their defense right back out there, and forcing them to go tired against another Browns drive. Brissett in the gun, arms at his side. He's got three wide, gets the snap, held high, looks to the left, arching spiral in the end zone, over the shoulder, catch in the back corner. It is caught, it is a touchdown! Hamari Cooper with the grab on the pylon, back near side corner. On second down, Jacoby waits and takes and gives it. Chubb darts left, he's through to the five and going in! Touchdown! Nick Chubb! And he may have blown this thing wide open! Kevin Harlan with the Amari Cooper touchdown and then Jim Donovan on Browns Radio. Kevin, obviously, on Westwood One. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. So early in the fourth quarter, that was the dagger. The Bengals managed another touchdown and the actual extra point. Um, But at that point, it becomes completely moot. Nick goes over 100 yards and has two touchdowns. The defense comes up with five sacks, seven QB hits, a couple of takeaways, and they allow just two touchdowns. Exactly what you need to be able to end a four-game losing skid and pick up a division win. We played great football tonight, great defense tonight. Russian coverage was was really good, Um, but we just got to keep stacking them. Uh, We just got to, you know, 
like anything, offense, defense, special teams, we got to give these guys a plan. They can go execute, execute a high level, play fast, those type of things. I thought that was on display tonight. We understood the, the ramifications of this game and, and uh, what we needed to do uh, and what this meant for us. So, um, you know, extremely proud of the guys in the locker room, the coaches um, did a really good job of, of preparing and, and um, you know, really focusing in on the task at hand. This time last week when we talked about the Browns, and at that point they were 2-5, and five, they had just come off the loss to Baltimore, and I was questioning their offensive game plan. And I said specifically, I put it on Twitter, it's there. You can go and you can look at it. I said, because the offensive line is so good and because of the tandem at running back, The Browns should be handing the ball to Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt no fewer than 30 times per game. As in, 30's your baseline. And then, if it's going well, you ride those two guys. There's no need to get cute. There's no need to reinvent the wheel. No. You do what works. And in the case of the Cleveland Browns, They can be dominant when they run the ball, and the time of possession battle is also massive. When you're a team that doesn't have a great offense, well, Jacoby Brissett is not a bad quarterback. He's got a a ceiling. He's limited. But if he doesn't turn the ball over, and he hands it off to Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, and he takes the opportunities that are that are there, and he uses the receivers they've got, and it doesn't get too complicated. He can manage just fine. The way to the, – the path to success, the way to get the Browns out of this hole is for them to run the ball and play the kind of defense they did tonight. It's very blue-collar. It's not flashy. But wins are – they're the name of the game. That's the goal. Jay, did, I don't know if you saw the stats, but venture a guess. Oh, I forgot I'm not talking to you anymore. But go ahead and venture a guess how many more minutes the Browns had the ball in this game than the Bengals. Quick guess, I'll say 13. 13 and a half. Ooh. Plus 13 and a half. That is a lifetime in a football game. Plus 13 and a half minutes with the football, which means Joe Burrow is standing around picking his nose on the sidelines and the Browns with the ball have all the opportunities on their side. So back to what I said about how Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt should be carrying the ball at least 30 times per game together. Nick Chubb, 23 carries tonight. Kareem Hunt, 11. 34 carries between them, 143 yards and two touchdowns. And a win. A convincing win. Not a close win. A dominant win by the Cleveland Browns. That's the formula. What did I say about the Tennessee Titans yesterday? They know their identity and they don't screw with it. We are who we are. And that's why they've won five games in a row. Why do anything different when Derrick Henry can run over people? When you have an offensive line that can clear lanes for Derrick Henry, why bother trying to reinvent your offense? No, your offense is damn good. And it's been a little head-scratching at times that the Browns don't continue to run the football when that is their 
not-so-secret weapon. Everybody knows Chubb and Hunt are one of the best running back tandems in the NFL. And behind that offensive line, fantastic. 172 rushing yards as a team tonight. Chubb and Hunt doing the majority of the damage. But again, going back to the defense and the tone that was set early and Miles Garrett, who was all over the place, recorded a sack and a half himself uh, and said, hey, banks open. Everybody's got to get some. I think a, a, a nice game plan by Joe and the staff. I, I thought some of the things that they did really tested their protections and tested some of their uh, uh, line movement, if you will. And then, uh, you know, again, individual effort. Miles was very good. He definitely was very good. It's a lot of fun to watch him play when he is motoring around the field and wreaking havoc. He also had the tipped ball that led to the interception on that first drive of the game. So here are your standings in the AFC North. The Ravens, 5-3. and three. The Bengals, 4-4. Four and four. The Browns now 3-5. and five. And the Caboose, bringing up the rear. The Pittsburgh Steelers at 2-6. and six. But one of those... Longer losing streaks in the NFL is now done. I talked about this on our Sunday night show, but the Lions have the longest losing skid in in football right now. Uh, five in a row along with the Jaguars. So it's Lions and Jags who've lost five games in a row. The Browns had a four-game losing skid, but they just ended, which means the Packers have the second longest losing skid in the NFL at four straight. We're going to talk Packers Coming up later on this show, our favorite Packers insider, Andy Herman from the Pack-A-Day podcast and Packer Report will join us. No shortage of storylines when it comes to the Green Bay football team. We're just getting started. A lot of fun tonight. Thanks so much for checking out our videos on YouTube. Pumpkin carving. I do not look like a witch, Jay. (laughs) Never said that. Well, you know, fuzzy memory now. It's starting to become something that that it wasn't oh, maybe no. 10 minutes ago. You know, I just, I'm not good at letting things go. <laughs> what? <laughs> you are listening to the After Hours Podcast. The Browns are in victory formation, and they take a snap on Monday Night Football, on Halloween night, on a night where the Browns came in with their season kind of hanging by a thread against the team that came in piping hot, the Cincinnati Bengals, with a strong-arm quarterback that's been difficult to defend the last two games, and the Browns did that, and they just beat the Bengals tonight. This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. Jim Donovan on Browns Radio. And oh yes, in every way that you possibly can, the Bengals were stymied and stifled and smothered and sent home packing. It turned into a house of horrors, a haunted house, if you will, in the dog pound uh, for the Cincinnati Bengals on Halloween night. And I refuse to accept that the NFL didn't do this on purpose. Orange everywhere. It had to be two teams with orange as one of their primary colors. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. We're live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. When you need cash out of your home and a simple way to get it, Rocket canned. So I suppose if we were starting our miserable and mortified on Monday poll right now, the Bengals would be a worthy candidate. Uh, As it is, we have four candidates. The poll is still ongoing for another hour. 
Rams, Raiders, Jets, Lions. Those are the four candidates, and you can vote on Twitter after our CBS. It's pinned to the top of our show Twitter and also on our Facebook page after hours with Amy Lawrence. So Joe Burrow had an interception and a fumble in the first half. Uh, and he was under siege a fair amount. Five sacks, seven extra QB hits. The Browns were all up in his grill all the time. But he knows that that initial ball, the one that was tipped by Miles Garrett and then picked off by A.J. Green, was a tough way to wrap their first offensive possession. And then it went downhill from there in that opening half. First drive, a drive right down there. And you know, Miles makes a great play on, a, on an RPO and gets his hands up, knocks it down and ends up falling right into him. Um, and so that was really the start of a, a long day for us. The two turnovers, you know, you're, you're, you know, if you're looking to assess blame, that's a difficult thing to do because one of them is just a, a blocked defensive end who got his hand up and made a good play, and the other one is, is as you're going to throw to what appeared to be an open guy, you know, he got his hand hit. So that's tough because both those drives took points off the board and maybe some early momentum. And... Um, so then you're talking about slow starts and all that stuff. When in reality, we had two two good drives there, and, and uh, they just made plays. That's true. And I recognize that once you fall behind, you're not running the ball as much. But there wasn't a lot of balance. There wasn't a lot of room to run. Uh, it definitely seemed like the entire offense was out of sync. And so there are people who are going to point to Jamar Chase and the fact that Joe Burrow doesn't have his top receiver for now with that hip injury. Yeah, anytime you... That guy goes down. It's going to be, you know, it's going to have an effect. But uh, you know, we're 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 a better offense than we put out there tonight, even without him. And so, um, there's no excuses for that. This isn't the type of team we are. You know, it's a 17 game season, and this is one game that uh, we weren't at our best today, in any phase. And I'm confident that's not who we are. That we can make the corrections and flush this one away quickly turn our attention to Carolina on a six-day week and uh, and have a great opportunity to, to get this out of our system real quick and, and play well next Sunday. There are a bunch of teams who are in that same boat every week, right? Get this out of our system as quickly as possible <laughs> because it seems as though we continue to see some abysmal performances from teams that you wouldn't expect. Looking at the AFC now, we know about the Buffalo Bills. They've won four in a row. They came out of their bye incredibly strong with the victory against the Green Bay Packers. And we're going to talk about Green Bay football at the top of the hour with Andy Herman. The rest of the AFC East is strong. Yes, the Jets had a loss this week, but they're at five and three. And the Dolphins are surging now that Tua is back. The New England Patriots got a big win this weekend over the Jets because that's Bill Belichick's personal crusade every year to embarrass the Jets. In the AFC North, the Ravens are sitting there at 5-3, and three, probably thankful that the Browns were able to take one off of the Bengals and keep them from tying the Ravens atop the standings through Week 8. In the South, the Titans have won five straight. I know the rest of that division is brutal. It's kind of interesting how some of these divisions mirror each other. The AFC East and the NFC East are the toughest divisions in football. Okay, that's weird. It's just weird. That definitely is a do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do twilight zone type of a revelation. So I think it's fitting on Halloween night. The AFC South and the NFC South are also just awful. 
other than Tennessee. Tennessee is one of the best teams in its conference, but the rest of the AFC South all below 500. I mean, my goodness, the fact that the Colts are in second place in that division should speak to you about how bad it is from top to bottom. And the NFC South, yes, the Falcons are at four and four, but they're the only team that doesn't have a losing record, and that obviously includes the Buccaneers. There are some really bad teams in football, but beyond that, the crazy part is that you don't know who's going to play badly from week to week. I wouldn't have anticipated this with the Bengals. An extra day to prepare. I know it was a road game, but they're certainly familiar with Cleveland. They're familiar with the stadiums and with the fans in the AFC North. Not like it was some kind of long road trip, and they stunk up the joint. And the Browns played extremely well. I would say that the matchup was just horrific for the Bengals. But I think this was about as well as we've seen the Browns play all year. And potentially, now the the Bengals started out 0-2, right? But, and they had some, some awful stretches because the offensive line couldn't keep Joe Burrow upright. But I thought they had put that behind them. And they had turned a corner, similar to, say, the Titans. And yet, this was about as bad as they could have played. Really just dovetailed. And their short offensive possessions played right into the hands of the Browns with their ball control style. It's after hours here on CBS Sports Radio. At the top of the hours, I say we're going to talk about the Green Bay Packers, because there are far more questions than answers. We're also going to get into a deal inside the NFC North that impacts a team that has the same record as the Packers. Roquan Smith getting traded away in the fifth year of his rookie deal on the eve of the NFL trade deadline. The Bears have shipped him out. He just got all teary and cried last week when one of his favorite teammates was traded away. And I don't know if this is a fire sale necessarily by the Bears because they have a reason for trading away Roquan Smith. But goodness, on the heels of the Robert Quinn trade, they also trade A.J. Klein, so he's on his way out too. Uh, I'm sorry, he's on his way in. The Ravens trade, A.J. Klein is what I meant to say. I was like thinking about the Robert Quinn trade. So you've got guys who are on their way out because Chicago doesn't really know what to do with them, doesn't necessarily want to pay them, and is kind of stuck in no man's land, which is really strange. Pete Prisco of CBS Sports HQ, he was talking about why this makes total sense for the Bears, though. It's a smart move by the Bears. They didn't want to sign him to a long-term extension, so why not get some assets back for him? And you get a nice price back for him. I mean, th- he's he's a little overrated, to be honest with you. I know people in this league think he's you know piles up a bunch of tackles, but I don't think he's as good as those numbers would portray him. So it makes sense. You don't want to pay this guy a long-term contract, so what you do is you get rid of him. And when you get rid of him, when you get up assets, and when you get assets, it makes your team better for the future. So I like the move for the Bears. Uh, you know, from a Ravens standpoint, it makes sense because they drafted Patrick Queen to be a linebacker they thought they could build around, and he hasn't worked out. Josh Bynes is banged up. 
They played A.J. Klein, who they picked up off the scrap heap the other day. And so I think when you look at this team, they needed to make a move, and they got a young linebacker, so we'll see. We'll see is right. They're still, through week eight in the NFL, there's still tons of questions about teams that are inconsistent at best and incompetent at worst. We've had this revolving door of quarterbacks in some you know, some parts of the league, others are more stable at quarterback. And while that's a piece of the equation, a piece of success, it's not the only thing. Good for Jacoby Brissett, though. Highest passer rating of his career on Monday Night Football. So as I say, the Browns executed to near perfection on defense early on and then offensively they were able to pick up the pace and the ball control game produced touchdowns in that second half or late late second quarter into the second half. So Jacoby Brissett and Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and the offensive line and Miles Garrett and that defense, ferocious and tough. This feels like a prototype for Browns football. Meanwhile, for the Bengals, they never really found a groove, never really got comfortable and their offense needs to be comfortable to be successful. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. I met a guy recently who told me that he spends roughly $250,000 a month. I talked to another person recently who made $50 million at the age of 30. What do you do with that money? How do you spend it? How do you not spend it? What do you invest in? If you meet a rich person, these are questions everyone wants to know, but you're too embarrassed to ask. That's the whole premise of MoneyWise. We talk to real people who have made a significant amount of money, and we ask them all about their finances. My name's Sam Parr, and the podcast is called MoneyWise. That's one word, MoneyWise. You can find MoneyWise wherever you get your podcasts.